I miss when trailers talked to me like I was an idiot and told me what was happening on the screen. Those are the good old days. A man in love with a woman. Or like what I do every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All I right, love here it. We go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Arriving from space with crystals aglow, destroying any monster or machine in its path, it's Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, where we're trying our best to stay alive. Joining me today, the ass end of Mogera himself, <laughs> Eric. Oh, well, thank you for that compliment, Alex. I, I do appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it. Just it just means that you like to drill and I like to fly. I guess. <laughs> hey. This podcast wouldn't exist without a little drilling underground, Alex. You know, you're right. That's how they had to make the Godzilla pull, maybe. Yes. I don't know. I made that up. I don't know if that's true or not. How you been doing, Eric? Good, man. I, I can't complain. Uh, I, I saw you've been diving into Ultra Q lately. I have. Yeah. No, I've been diving into Ultra Q. I just figured if I was going to dive in, I'd dive in and do some Twitter content as well. So. I've been putting those <laughs> awards on Twitter. Like one of our awards I've been putting for each episode. It can come from any award, but I try to do like a screenshot and an award with each episode. It's pretty fun, man. I, I'm loving Ultra Q. Just the film, the filmmaking on a low budget, right? With like, um, it, there's actually some really cool filmmaking techniques in that series. Uh, that I really admire. Yeah, some of the story is kind of simplistic and they kind of rip off Twilight Zone. Um, but to me, it's a little bit more X-Files, I think, than Twilight Zone. Um, yeah. But of course, the like unbalanced zone is, <laughs> is direct rip off of Twilight Zone. I don't think they need the voiceover <laughs> most of the time. But in general, just if you pay attention to the camera and some of the things they try to do, they cover so much material and they try to, to to hit on a little bit of every genre. I just got done with like a haunted house episode. Before that, there was a whodunit episode. Before that, it was like a jungle uh, mongrel child episode. <laughs> they have everything <laughs> in this series. They really do. So I recommend it. That's pretty cool. I've only watched a little bit of it. You watched more of it than I have already. Oh man! So well, dude. I know. I'm gonna have to. I want to dive deeper so we can have a little bit more of a conversation. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that as a topic eventually. Yeah, or, you, you need to. It's it's really it's pretty good actually. It really is. What do you think about like at one point covering series like three episodes at a time or something like that, or maybe five episodes at a time or something like that? That could be good. I mean, it could work out. There's so many movies to to hit on. I know. You know. You're right. We'll, we'll we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm hoping to get more into Ultra Q soon, but Eric. Did, I wanted to ask you something. Did you notice my my description for Godzilla versus King Ghidorah? I did. You you had multiple rhymes in the description. Yeah, the whole thing pretty much rhymed, and I, I was disappointed that you never said anything to me. So I felt like I should bring it up on the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, as I said on Twitter this week, this podcast is built on bad puns and rhymes. So yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to increase my my game. I you, think I think you and, are. You won this week's battle, but. I think I'm going to win upcoming Friday uh, rhyme day <laughs> <laughs> polls that I'm releasing on Twitter. So 
We'll see. I, I, you know, I, didn't you didn't you go for a lowbrow one last week? Yeah, I did. No, I have a. Yeah, you have to mix it up. You know, <laughs> some days you really just hit home the rhyme, and then other days you just try to get as ridiculous with it as possible. Yeah, yeah. I've never found hitting home to work for me, but uh, <laughs> but Alex, we, we, may have found out. we do have a full show. I am excited about our interview today. Um, we are interviewing the Kaiju Apostle himself, David. Um, and so if you came to this podcast to hear David, don't worry, David is coming. Um, he will be here for our awards and our rating and our ranking. But with that said, let's jump in to this week's episode. Originally conceived as Godzilla versus Crystal Godzilla, 1994's Godzilla versus Space Godzilla features Godzilla against, well, a Godzilla from space with crystals. Kensho Yamashita, assistant director of Terror of Mechagodzilla, directs his first and last feature of the franchise following the box office success of its predecessor. But the major question remains, Alex, when Earth is attacked by a Godzilla from space, will the Heisei era save face or end in disgrace? Hmm. You know, it's interesting, actually, that you mentioned that he was the assistant director of Terror of Mechagodzilla, because that one also has a implant going into the base of something's neck. Hmm. Very true. So, <laughs> <laughs> I just I just realized that just now. But <laughs> as for your question, you know, I was, I was a bit conflicted last week, but when I started laying out my thoughts, I came in a little high on uh, Mechagodzilla 2. Now... This one has been downplayed a lot on the internet. Like it seems like in general a lot of people consider this one to be the worst Godzilla movie, not just of the Heisei period, but overall. Yeah. And after watching this I've seen those takes. Yeah. And after watching this, I really don't see it. I don't really get it at all. I think just about every facet of this is done at least well enough. I don't think anything is done outright poorly, and honestly. I found this to be more enjoyable throughout than a lot of the films we've watched. What were your general impressions on this one? Well, I definitely enjoyed myself watching this film. Um, I, I do think there are some flaws, uh, but I would say that the Heisei era saves face after my disappointment last week at Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2. Uh, I mentioned in my introduction that Yamashita was an assistant director to Honda on Terror of Mechagodzilla, one of my favorites, as you know, from the show era. And I definitely feel that influence, actually, in this film. Think about it. You know, we get a bit of everything and some of those elements from Terror of Mechagodzilla. Dynamic female characters. We got some romance. We got a whole lot of monster action. Um, but how do you feel about the humans in particular, Alex? Uh, we didn't get those characters in the last one, in my opinion. But do you think we get some of those human dynamics here? Well, <clears throat> kind of going back to last week, I did enjoy the characters in Mechagodzilla too, but... I actually, I like these characters too. I, we, we see a lot more of the subtle themes in the previous film really play out in this one, which makes you feel even better about the previous film, actually. And we also get some really interesting uh, lore, I guess I would call it, where we get possibilities of Biollante or Mothra being the reason Space Godzilla exists. And we also get some other throwbacks to characters we might talk about a little bit later, but we see a lot of this being played out directly through the return of Miki, who really has come into her own as a character in this series. Like she kind of was uh, underutilized through most of it, but here in the, between the last film and this one, she really feels like 
a character that I'm happy to see when she does show up. I'm like, oh, Mickey, my old friend. (laughs) (laughs) But we see a lot of of her realizations really come to fruition uh, from the previous movie. Like, she was never really bloodthirsty, but she was gunning for Godzilla for a while there. And she's done a 180. And now she's really turn more into like this human protector of Godzilla who she just wants to defend him, And she's kind of being forced to be in these positions that she really doesn't want to be in, mm-hmm. which is really cool to see play out. And we see her encountering more G force personnel on the Island where we meet our new main characters in this film, Yuki and Shinjo. And to a lesser extent, Sato, I believe mm-hmm. I had got all them right. You did. Uh, well, Yuki and Shinjo really are characters. I feel like Sato just kind of, he was relegated to like a wingman type role almost. Definitely. And really that those two become the really interesting characters throughout the film, having to act against their initial instincts to save the world with Godzilla. Mm. And there's some really interesting stuff going on for sure. Well, how about you? Yeah, I'm right with you with Miki, you know, similar to terror of Mecha Godzilla uh, and my standout character from that film, Katsura. My favorite characters here are Dr. Gondo and Miki. <laughs> Right. I love the female <laughs> characters, um, though. I will say the other characters, as you mentioned, they had me intrigued. Akira Yuki definitely intrigued me with his desperate attempt at revenge towards Godzilla. You know, I like the tie mm-hmm. back to previous films, including Biolante, Mechagodzilla, Mothra. In particular, we get that tie back to Goro Gondo, Gondo um, with his sister and best friend, Um that was interesting. I thought like, I didn't expect that tie back all the way, but it gives us a motivation for Yuki who really lives out his credo, which he says, it's a man's burden. You can only keep on living. If you have something you can't give up on. And that's really kind of what, what he does throughout the film. Of course, Dr. Gondo throws Mm -hmm. that in his face a little bit later on, but he will put the safety of the world on the line for his bloodthirsty quest. Um, I thought the island scenes in particular gave the characters room to breathe and develop something I wish we would have seen more in Godzilla versus Mothra. If you remember that discussion, did you like that island setting, Alex? Yeah, I really, I really like the island setting. Uh, So we see the island setting primarily in the beginning portions and it's just refreshing to be back there. The little, The interactions with little Godzilla or baby Godzilla, I'm not sure what this particular iteration of him is called. I know it's baby Godzilla in the previous film. I think it's still baby. I don't know. I think this baby other version is like little Godzilla. I don't know. He's growing up. Baby Godzilla's (laughs) growing up. Yeah. So it's really odd because now he's really more cutesy. It's very Showa era Mm -hmm. feeling a lot more so. But these interactions with the cute little guy – uh, along with everyone on the island, just it really gave me these Fukuda vibes that were really refreshing. Just like Fukuda when he was brought on to the G franchise, it was really fr- refreshing when he first came on. And the island, funny enough, like immediately perked my ears up when I was watching it because you know what else is a staple of the G franchise? That's when we when we go to an island. That's the save budget. <laughs> So it's actually kind of like this double, like it's not quite a double-edged sword, but whenever we see an island, we get two things. We get usually more character development, Mm -hmm. but we also means that we're saving money. Right. And we see that actually a lot with this movie. So we get the island scenes, which are 
pretty bare bones, but they work really well. And then, but then we see the ramifications of a lower budget when we get the city scenes, mm. which aren't nearly as good as they have been. We get almost zero miniatures. We get Space Godzilla flying over a city with explosions uh, following him, but you don't actually see any of the ramifications of his destruction, which makes him a little less terrifying when we don't see people. When the only time we see people running away is from like five miles away, not with him approaching overhead and killing people, you know? Yeah. And so we see that a lot, but they handle the budget really well. It's not done poorly like we've seen in some of the past Godzilla films, especially in the Showa era. Mm-hmm. But I, I did notice it once we were on the island, and it kind of stuck with me when I started noticing these little problems with budget and just trying to hide some of the lackluster effects. Uh, did you have anything that you didn't really like the cut of its jib? <laughs> well, no, I think you're right, actually. You know, thinking back on the film especially like the climax of the movie when we get that the main set piece between Godzilla and Space yeah. Godzilla it really just feels like one big set one big crystallized set i should say <laughs> yeah right it's like yeah. all kind of it doesn't quite feel real i i would say that there that would be my complaint about kind of the monster battles but the one complaint i had really primarily about this film was the music. Uh, I honestly wasn't a fan of Takayuki Hattori's score. Um, There were scenes where the melodramatic nature of it, it didn't match what was happening on the screen, like many times. Um, Now I did, there was one scene I actually did enjoy the music and it was when Godzilla, it was, he was moving through the canal of the city and it felt like it was a rallying cry for the people to actually support Godzilla but then in the next scene, we get the same music when Godzilla is destroying buildings <laughs> and it doesn't match, right? It's like, yes, we're all for Godzilla. Yeah. He's, he's coming to save us. And then he's back to destroying things, which is fine. It's just the music didn't match that feeling. We still had that yeah. 80s-esque Superman-like score. Um, it didn't feel intimidating at all. Yeah, the definitely the, the score definitely wasn't up to snuff. Uh, definitely when you compare it to like an all-time great, like Ifakube. I feel like this was a step back to Biolante where we had bad music again. <laughs> uh, but while I didn't love it, I did think it was serviceable enough. Uh, definitely some really weak points, but I thought it did pretty well during the final battle. It was never great, but it, I think it did well enough. I kind of I kind of want to uh, pivot over to something else, though, that I feel is a big highlight of the movie. And I think that's Space Godzilla's design. I think it's awesome. Like, I could easily see an argument that it's a very derivative design, but I think it's cool. I, I like the face design because it's very Biolante looking, which makes me think that the cells that got to him were Biolante. It's not ones that came off of Mothra because he's got those teeth coming out of the sides of his cheeks, mm-hmm. which is just like Biolante. And I like that he has these crystals that are, they look like they're rupturing from his shoulders and that his skin is like, just trying to hold these massive things in the place. And I, I just think it's really cool. And I really like his abilities, too. They're unwieldy but accurate lightning. It's like it's a homing missile, almost. Mm-hmm. And then he's got this crystal shield and anti-gravity. It, he's pretty cool, I think. And I could see people hating some of these aspects, but I really like them. But then we get like a juxtaposition of Mogera. While I like its abilities, I think its design is atrocious. Mm. 
And then in some of the flying scenes, especially the space battle with uh, Space Godzilla, I'm fairly certain they took a toy hot off of the production line and tethered it to a wire. (laughs) (laughs) I do, however, love the effectiveness and use of Mogira during the filming of the final battle. And I love that it separates into two units that are piloted by different people. Mm -hmm. And you know me, when I love it when humans are involved in helping Godzilla take on another foe. I just think like there's nothing more exciting about it for me. (laughs) What about you? Yeah. Well, I think the monster action, including those with Mogera, as you mentioned, I I was able to stick with it a little bit more this time because of the variety of different abilities that we got to see. There were so many different types of attacks. Sometimes these battles can feel repetitive because Mm -hmm. they just, have the same thing happen over and over and over again. We got Godzilla <laughs> grabbing someone's tail and body slamming them four times in, in a battle. <laughs> that didn't happen here. Every attack was different and nuanced. Um, and it was like they were they were kind of feeling each other out and then they'd have an all-out attack. It was really interesting. Um, I partially agree with you about Space Godzilla, but I could also understand uh, what kind of critics of Space Godzilla would say, you know, that it was unoriginal um and really just yeah i I get that as well um but mogera i think mogera is really powerful i see what you're saying about the design uh it kind of reminds me of like i think it again reminds me of a pokemon i guess i guess (laughs) with that that, with that drill nose you know it's a little comical (laughs) um but as far as its abilities it's actually an upgrade to mecha godzilla from the last film um, yes. Because it doesn't just feature that nose drill, Alex. It can fly in outer space. <laughs> that's a, that's, that is a powerful craft. It surely takes some skilled pilots to pilot it. So I'm still not sure how Shinjo and Seto ever qualified to fly that thing. <laughs> Maybe every member of G-Force is trained to pilot something. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but like it's like, you know? they're like anybody can do it, apparently, because... <laughs> Shinjo and Sato hey. could, so... That's just a sign that the Japanese and the U.S. have developed the easiest user interface you have ever seen in your life. <laughs> uh, they'll be, call- they'll be uh, calling us next, Alex. Oh, yeah. I, I, you're, po- you're piloting the ass in, so... <laughs> hey, it's time, though, Alex, to bring in David for our awards and our rating and ranking. Let's do it. So, David, welcome to the podcast. We are excited to have you. You, of course, are one of the co-hosts of the Kaiju Apostle podcast. We are like sibling podcast here. You know, we started at the same time. We have a similar premise, a newbie and like a fanboy get together and talk about these films. But I'm just going to be honest, David, you guys are definitely more popular than us on the (laughs) interwebs. So, why the heck did you start a Godzilla podcast again? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so first of all, I should clarify. I was under the assumption we were talking about Hot Rod tonight. So I had to like switch and watch <laughs> oh, yes. Space Godzilla really quick. I'm like, oh, crap. I uh, was not. I think we can make that pivot. Right. We can make that pivot. <laughs> I've been drinking green tea all all, all day. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't say that. So, yeah, podcast. Um, I... About a year and a half ago, started watching the Godzilla films again with my son. 
I think that's the thing with a lot of people, right? They're like, oh, my kids can actually enjoy what I enjoy now. This is awesome. And I started seeing a lot of depth in these films that I'd missed when I was a kid because I had been watching these films off and on for almost 30 years. So I tried doing a blog because I'm like, I like writing. Why not go this route? And nobody read the blogs at all. Like it was it was bad. (laughs) Um, It was pretty. I was like, I was ready to quit Um, until I remembered uh, Chris. We did a Star Wars podcast a few years back and I, I just kept pestering him for months. I was like, hey, we should do this. We should do this. We should do this. We should do this. He finally just gave in. And we're like, all right, well, let's do a podcast. That's awesome. I, I was wondering, you know, kind of how you met Chris um, and what you what you guys had worked on before. So that, that's interesting to hear. Yeah. Oh, and that brings us to our cool announcement where actually David's joining our podcast full time and leaving Chris by himself. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Sorry, bud. <laughs> this will be the first episode he listens to, too. Watch. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you that way, but you're basic. Oh, man. But yeah, uh, one of the reasons we wanted to invite you to the podcast is that you've been one of, if not the primary internet personalities to promote our podcast, which is pretty pretty funny. So we kind of wanted to return the favor with our three or so listeners of the podcast that aren't already listeners of your podcast. So what do you think our listeners will get by listening to your podcast as well. In other words, what makes your podcast unique? Well, we're going to have the right opinion on all monsters attacks. Oh. So that's why you're going to want to listen to us. <laughs> um, no, I mean, y- you say that, but like, I really don't understand why. I, so I'll, I'll kind of preface this back. When I was doing the blog articles, I got myself immersed in the Instagram subset of Godzilla fandom. God, that sounds so weird coming out of my mouth. Um, so coming over to like Twitter, that really helped, I think, pull people from there. And I'd already, I mean, invested, you know, almost eight months of my time by that point. Right. So, I mean, it's just like sales. You got to you got to get your referrals. And I think that's part of the reason why it's picked up the way it has. But I'm just surprised you guys haven't got that yet, because I would rather listen to you guys than our podcast. Um, <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> but no, I, I'm being honest. Like, it's it's just so much fun. Um, but I think really where you guys take this perspective of, you know, I mean, Alex, yeah, I mean, you've grew up watching the films, but you say time and time again, like, man, I, I totally forgot how I felt about this film or what. So yeah. you're kind of coming back into it with fresh eyes. And obviously, Eric, you've never seen these films before. So like, I would say those perspectives are really helpful. And then coming into where we're at, you know, I, I definitely intentionally try to go at it. At, you know, we try to go at it more of an analytical approach. So I think you guys would set a good foundation for that, for appreciation of the film and then coming into it and then diving a little bit deeper, too. So I would say they're very complimentary. Yeah, actually, I like that take. I think, you know, thinking about it over this past week, honestly, if there's any buddy out there like any person that just got like the show air box set and they've never seen godzilla before mm-hmm. i'd say check out our podcast first mm-hmm. because it's really good i think for newbies you know we get a lot of things wrong but we're also just gonna like have a good time with it and then like listening to your podcast you bring in uh some of that history like the david collat book um that you reference every episode mm-hmm. you know you bring that in and but it's good it's all really good content 
um, that if you wanting to get like just a little bit deeper, I think it's the next step. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so this is a two parter for you, David. Um, one, are you the Kaiju apostle? And two, maybe the podcast, <laughs> maybe the podcast of yours that I've enjoyed most uh, have been the building the bridge episodes. What's your inspiration for those episodes? So the first one is kind of like Spartacus. I don't know if anyone really knows who it is. Um, <laughs> God, I and I seriously, I hate the name. I, I, it was when I did the blog. And I was trying to come up with something. And that was the only good answer someone gave me on Reddit. I'm like, screw it. I'm going for it. And then looking back, I'm like, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it is what it is. No, it works. It works. <laughs> it, it does. Your, it does. The, your theological tie-ins. Yeah. It works for sure. It's I kind of it's in, awesome. in the work that you do. Yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, preaching the message of uh, kaiju evangelism, or why was something stupid I came up with one day, and I'm like, oh lord. Um, but the building bridge episodes, that's just been big because I kind of mentioned this in a previous writing that I did, but coming from the Christian standpoint, right? I mean, I, when I first became a Christian, I was, uh, very reformed in how I believe things. So I kind of had this, like, it's the, the name is young, restless and reformed. Right. And I was just like Mm -hmm. very vocal about my beliefs to the detriment of my friends and family. And I've realized that if you really believe something, you're passionate about something, you should find a way to express it in a way that would actually want you want to make the other person hear what you're saying. Right. And you need to find a way to find the common ground. And instead of waiting for people to come to you, I think sometimes you just need to build that bridge and go to them. So with these podcasts, with these episodes, it's really been my goal of like, hey, like, you might see this person walking down the street and never say a word to them, never know anything about them, but they have a story to say too. So how do we take that minute to take a step back and be like, Oh, okay. Like I have a lot more in common with this person than I really think maybe I shouldn't be like a major, major raging douchebag. You know, when I talk to people (laughs) online, that's really my goal is how can we not be so rude to each other? Yeah. Which is a problem in any fandom as you, as you frequently point out. Oh God. Star Wars was horrible. Yeah. I'm like, I I don't want to get into that point where it's like, we're better than other people, but I'm so glad to be out of that. It was just horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Kind of a follow up to that. uh, David was, I know both you and Chris are seminary grads. Mm -hmm. How do you think seminary has made you a better podcaster? Um, and how have fans been responding to your calls for prayer request online? So for the first question, um, I would say it's helped us with the way we dive into the films the same way that Chris and I are both dive into the biblical text, right? We believe the Bible is the word of God, but we also understand that the way that the the authors of the Gospels handled like the Old Testament texts, they're very creative with that, right? They, they took these mm-hmm. texts and they found a way to inject new life into them that still honored what the, the, the ancient writers had. So that's kind of our approach with these films is we're not trying to say this is the definitive way to view these films, but how can we be creative? How can we inject that new life into a film that we've all watched time and time again, but still honor that original intent? Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very indebted to my studies into like patristics, um, which would be like your first century to fifth, sixth century theologians and all that. Um, 
And as for the prayer requests, it's funny, like, and this is how I kind of saw it going, and I'm very thankful for that. But every time I ask them, like, hey, if anyone needs prayer requests, let me know. I never really get anything. But then it's just like the random message that I get where it's like, hey, this is what's going on, stuff like that. Like, it's been very humbling just because I really believe in the power of prayer and just knowing or just giving people that assurance that like, hey, we're all in this together. You're not doing it alone. You may not really know who I am, but this is a safe place. Like that's been, it's, it's been awesome to be able to do that. Um, Cause I know I, growing up, I would have wanted that too, if I was in their shoes. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's important, man. And I think, um, you know, what your presence online is just an important presence. There's, there's so many people and, and you know, this as well as I do. And, and you've been on kind of the Godzilla, uh, fan base online you've been on that a little bit longer than i have but even in my short time i've noticed you know people sometimes even just on twitter you can tell that they're lonely they just Mm -hmm. need that person they need that community so i'm glad that you uh ask for that because sometimes people just need that outlet so thanks for doing that man yeah it's very cool but i've got one last question for you before we get into our awards What's your social security number and your mother's maiden name? Okay, so maiden name is Campbell. I'll give you that one. Um, social security number, let's see, 538. No. Oh, no, you're going to give someone's actual. I know, yeah. I was like, oh, crap. Uh, okay. Um, so I guess without giving us your final rating and ranking, what are your initial thoughts? Before you break it down at the end of mm-hmm. Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. It's so much better than I remember it being when I even watched <laughs> it like a year ago. Um, it's just one of those things where like the the hard part for me with these. Uh, God, you're going to make me overthink this. The Heisei films. <laughs> gosh, dang it. Um, <laughs> Heisei. The yeah. Hasei. Yeah, it's all the same. The <laughs> Hasei. The Hasei films. Um <laughs> The the hard part for me is, and I know you've just been getting into the Showa Gamera films, Eric, but like the hard yeah. part for me is the, the Heisei Gamera films are absolutely phenomenal. And yep. it, it's mm-hmm. so going to these films, I'm looking at them I'm like the budget's so high. They've got all this creative talent and like they can't even hold a candle to the Gamera films. Like straight up, they, they can't. So I've had to go back and watch these again, just being like, you know what? I, I can't expect more out of these films than they're going to give me. So doing that, I, I actually feel like out of this whole era of films, this feels like the most like a Showa film where it's just like you have characters that are very personable, very affable. Um, they're not necessarily stand out, but none of them are really annoying. Like you can sympathize with where they're coming from. They've got good chemistry. Um, I know not everyone's super crazy about the score, but I love Takayuki Hattori, his work, especially with like the anime trilogy down the road. Like he's very haunting. Um, he reminds me a lot of what uh, Kuyama did with Biolante, just without the weird mm. skeevy political views. So I can appreciate that. <laughs> um, but just as a whole, it's just kind of a weird film. Like the, the action between Godzilla and space Godzilla is just kind of, it's a lot of sparks just bumping back into each other. So I'm not crazy about that. But overall, I mean, it's it's a fun film. And that's kind of where I'm like, 
obviously it's not Oscar worthy, but it doesn't have to be right. I'll, I'll watch it again and I'm not going to hate myself watching it. Unlike Godzilla versus Gigan <laughs> like that. I, I just, I cannot like that movie. I, that that's my all monsters attack. Oh, all right. I got man. you. Hey, I'm right there with you though, man. That was, that was the bottom of my show era list. So <laughs> I'm right there with you now when it comes to Ooh. your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, we had some of the same thoughts in our introduction, you know, it, it, to me, this felt the most like a Showa era, Terror of Mecha Godzilla ish. Mm-hmm. You know, Yamashita was an assistant director to Honda on Terror of Mecha Godzilla. So I think we got some of those elements here. I'm one of those, I, I didn't like the music yeah. <laughs> in this film, but I understand what you're saying there. But I say, Alex, we go ahead and get into our awards. And we're going to kick things off with you, Alex. What, who's your coolest character award? Uh, I got to go with Yuki, and I know it's probably a pretty basic and simple answer, but I mean, how many characters in this universe have we gotten that are like willing to let humanity just get absolutely obliterated for the sake of revenge? I mean, we see a lot of selflessness, but we don't see a lot of selfishness, and I really like that about him. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I thought about going with Yuki because we haven't really seen a character quite like him. I like that Goro Gondo tie back, you know, Mm -hmm. but Speaking of Gondo, I loved Dr. Gondo, his sister. She's not only brilliant, she's beautiful. I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of have a small crush on her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I think the women characters here, they steal the show in this one, kind of mm-hmm. like Katsura did in Terror of Mechagodzilla. Um, Dr. Gondo, <laughs> she has a lot to live up to. Um, I'm not sure what she sees in Yuki, to be honest. Uh, but I think her uh, telepathy plan is a good one that just goes awry. Um, yeah. what, what about you, David? What, who is your coolest character? Uh, this is a, no, I'm just going to be honest. So uh, you're talking about Yuki, but Secretary Takayuki Sagawa, only the fact because it is Sinji Sahara. So I'm just like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I will vote for him for everything. I mean, you've been watching Ultra Q. Right. Like he's, yes. I don't know. Oh yeah. I just, yeah. I may have a crush on Dr. Gondo, but let's be honest. We all know your man crush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Like Kenji. So, and that's, uh, yeah. I mean, you watch those old show of films like Kenji Sahara is just absolutely, he, he plays so many good and roles and it wasn't prominent, but I was like, I know who you are. I recognize that face. Yeah, no, <laughs> I had a feel. I had a feeling you would go with him yeah. for sure. Um, what about your most memorable line award, David? Let me see it now. That lovely armpit of yours. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, last time I saw Eric, I said that to him. Oh man! <laughs> like I looked over at my wife, and I'm like, "What would you do if I said that to you?" And she just glared at me, and I'm like, "That's like the perfect pickup line." <laughs> I mean, I hadn't even seen the movie yet. And I said it to Eric. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, you must have some point of reference then if you know that's something you want to see. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Lovely armpits over here, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, m- my most memorable line, um, it was actually, you may remember this part. It was Shinjo to, to Miki. And it's, do you ever think of anything besides Godzilla? For instance, men are falling in love. I think it's kind of sad. I mean, how direct can this guy be? Uh, It's such a direct line. Now, what I love is how she responds by throwing it right back at him. Uh, She doesn't back down from that. She throws it right back at him. And I love that. But I was like, man, 
you need a better pickup line, like, let me see that lovely armpit of yours. That's what all women want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, what was your most memorable line? Yeah, uh, mine is actually just Dr. Uh, almost called her Gordo. <laughs> Dr. Gondo. <laughs> Dr. Gondo's explanation of Space Godzilla's origins. And it's not technically one line, but it's said pretty much as one ongoing sentence. So I'm just going to read it all to you. You just tell me how ridiculous this is. The space monster cell is almost identical to the G cell. We may want to call that monster Space Godzilla. There have only been two possible events the G cell could have gone to space. One was the encounter of Biollante. And the other was when Mothra left Earth, possibly with cells of Godzilla's tissue on its body. This isn't even, we're not even to the weird part yet. We're not even to the weird part. My theory is that the cell fell from the black hole, and or fell into a black hole, and emerged from a white hole on the other end. <laughs> During which time, the cell merged with some sort of crystal organic material. Then, by absorbing the energy of an exploding star, it rapidly turned into this monster. She yeah. has no scientific <laughs> basis to make these claims, and yet she is right. very confident in front of all these people. <laughs> hey, Alex, don't don't be dissing on my doctor, Gondo, okay? <laughs> Eric, just because she just because you have a crush on her doesn't mean her science is sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the black hole to white hole part really kind of. Yeah, I, it left me scratching my head for sure. Uh, th- that not the not her just assuming an exploding star blew up on Space Godzilla. Right. <laughs> I love I love her original name for Space Godzilla though. Yes. Let's just call it Space Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what What about your can't believe that acting award, Alex? Mine actually has to go to this guy that probably nobody noticed. A man named Mr. Reynolds. <laughs> and he's actually in this early boardroom scene. And he's this older white guy who has American lines. He's speaking English, which we which we know are notoriously horrendous, especially in the Heisei era. But he actually yeah. performs them really well. And like he just didn't it was like he didn't stumble onto the set and just be grabbed by someone for being white and just throwing him onto the set for just perform lines. Like, like this guy is actually an actor, I think. Hey, you didn't know that Mr. Reynolds had method acting training before he <laughs> filmed this film, Alex. No, I didn't. I, I, maybe I'll look up his biography sometime. Him and Daniel Day Lewis went to the same school. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what was your can't believe the acting award? I almost did the scene where we see the explosion in the, the the spaceship right like oh man that was yeah. just it was convincing uh-huh. um but <laughs> no it was actually this is a serious thing for me I, i'm not it's when uh the mogera crew hear that godzilla landed in kagoshima so to me if you watch it like they're they're laughing they're smiling and then all of a sudden godzilla lands and then just all of a sudden their faces just like they become super despondent and they're like oh crap mm-hmm. Like, it's just such a natural reaction to being like, if things can't get any worse, like, and now they have, right? So, to me, it's just that human side of the acting that most people wouldn't pay attention to. But I'm like, I love those small things. That's the kind of stuff that Honda really focused on with his older films. So, to see that again, I'm like, all right. Like, it wasn't like over the top, right? It's not like, oh, no, but... 
You're right. That that moment kind of feels like something off of uh, Raids Again, where they're at that dance, and suddenly they all have to stop because Godzilla's Mm -hmm. approaching. Oh, yeah. That's a good connection. No, and and speaking of, you know, more subtle roles and subtle reactions, I highlighted Miki last week as the coolest character. But today, I want to highlight Megumi Adaka, the character or the actress who plays her. Mm -hmm. There's always a subtlety in the way that she plays Miki. Um, We don't know quite what she's thinking. But she's always struggling um, with some internal conflict. There's a tough, that's a tough emotion to convey convincingly without being overdramatic. But Adaka performs her role brilliantly. Um, and I think it's just another one of those performances where it doesn't have much flair, as you said, David. But it's in the small little details, the small nods, the small looks that her character really comes through. Um, what about your standout effect award? David. <laughs> uh, we're going to go with a uh, random O'Gara for sure. Um, I just, man, I'm a sucker for Max. Like I just started watching Gundam wing again and just the way that, you know, you see it split up. Like obviously you get the, the ship and then the land Mogara ends up being like a freaking mole tank, you know, like, I don't know. It was just, it was such a cool effect and it, and it looked good too. Like they could have easily, to me, I think they could have cheapened out on that. And it actually, mm-hmm. like, I thought it was somewhat convincing, especially the part where it's going underneath the ground. Like, I was like, it was actually decent effects. So, yeah, yeah, that is, that is I, cool. I, I like that. For what sure. about you, Eric? Uh, well, I might criticize Miki's telekinesis. You know, the, the moment where she lifts herself up on the bed, <laughs> that reminded me a little bit, not to dive too deep, but it reminded me a little bit of, you know, the Princess Leia f- floating oh, through space scene. You might like that scene, David. It's all right. Nobody but, likes that. Actually, no, I was like, I actually don't. It could, have, it could have been so much better. But that's what it reminded me of. Mm. Is um, It was just like, ah, we've never seen anything like this before. So I wasn't quite sure about that. But what I did like, I like Space Godzilla's kind of telekinetic electric lift of Godzilla, where he lifts him up and throws him mm-hmm. against that skyscraper, destroying it in the process. The image of Godzilla floating in the air, it'll definitely stick with me. It's it, <laughs> The only other time we get a floating Godzilla, of course, is Godzilla versus Hedera. And I love that part. But <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm right there with yeah. you. Oh, my God. The okay. flying, the flying, floating <laughs> Godzilla. It's great. It's horrible. Alex, what about you? What was your standout effect? So... I really just like the setup of the final battlefield in general. After seeing like the rest of the film avoid spending so much money, like when we see the like Space Godzilla uh, running in the background doing these strafe runs and nothing blows up. We just see explosions, but we don't actually see the explosion. This is actually <laughs> nice to actually see something, like see the budget put it into something. Now, whether you think it looks corny or not, and it does feel like a, like a final battle in a video game. It feels like an arena. More than it does mm-hmm. anything else, which is a little bit to its detriment. But I was just glad to see like a really nice setup for a battle. Whether it was good or bad, I guess it's up to somebody to pay. <laughs> no, I feel you. Um, what about your, oh, that's a good shot award? Uh, mine's actually at the, I just put the minute mark on here. Um, <laughs> so mine's actually at the one hour, 20 minute, and 30 second mark. And it actually goes a lot with uh, David's Rand Mogera because it's when... The, uh, the the drill portion, whatever the name of that is, the drill portion of the Mogera, the ass end of the Mogera, <laughs> when it lands on the ground, there's all these like car miniatures and 
it's like some of the best miniature work in the entire movie. And it's all contained within the moment that that thing lands on the ground. And it just, it looks spectacular. It really does. So that that's mine. You know, I'm a sucker for miniatures. I'm a sucker for full shots. Um, so my, oh, that's a good shot. You would award. pick the corniest scene. <laughs> no, it's not a corny scene, Alex. This is actually a really important scene in the movie. And it's when Nikki is on the island, you know, and we it's the first time we, we see that sun setting in the background. So we're on the 19 minute mark. Um, and it reminds me of that shot. Speaking of Godzilla versus Hedera, it reminds me of that shot where the boy is looking out at his for his loss he's looking out at the sea for his lost father but yeah. this of course is more hopeful and it's this beautifully framed shot with Mickey's coral outfit emphasizing the setting sun but here's the thing um it's also fitting for Mickey's character and this is why it's not a throwaway scene um she's contemplating her place in this military dominated world that she's been asked to join we've talked about her developing role these last two movies and I think this scene encapsulates that feeling that she has. It might seem like a throwaway moment, but Yamashita allows for some quiet moments like these to develop the characters. And so I really appreciated that moment. Is that the moment that Shinjo walks up and tries to put the moves on her? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that happens right after that. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, David? So it was right around the hour 17 mark. Um, it's when there's a shot where Space Godzilla roars and like, there's all this electricity bouncing around him, just the way he's moving. It reminded me a lot of like old school Power Rangers and just the way they framed that. I was just like, yeah, it's a little sloppy. It's a little jarring, but like, I don't know. I've, I've got fond memories of that. And just you're, you kind of said like the ending felt like the end of, you know, final boss of a video game. Like that's what this reminded me of. And I'm like, man, I love it. Mm-hmm. Like this is the kind of effects I want to see. Not again, just, big dudes bumping into each other and the sparks flying off. Like I hate that, <laughs> but that like the effects and everything there, it was just, I had to rewind it a few times to watch it. And I just thought it was pretty neat. Yeah, that's cool. So let's get into our rating and our ranking. Uh, David, I know you don't generally on your podcast, you don't always give them like a, a five-star rating. You do for some, but not everyone mm-hmm. that I've listened to. Um, but I'll start, and if you have a rating, that's great. If you have a ranking within the Heisei era, that's great as well. But here are some of my thoughts. Uh, I thought of, when I was thinking about Yuki and his character, I couldn't help but think of Ahab's monomaniacal chase of the white whale. Um, Melville once wrote, and listen to this. This actually is a perfect tie-in. Here then, this is Melville. Here then was this gray-headed, ungodly old man chasing with curses a Job's whale around the world at the head of a crew, too, chiefly made up of mongrel renegades and castaways and cannibals. How much better could I describe Akira Yuki's single-minded pursuit of Godzilla alongside his more absent-minded sidekick, Shinjo and Sato? I didn't see a and single cannibal in this movie. Me neither. <laughs> no cannibals, <laughs> but definitely some absent-minded Shinjo and Sato. And now, and now I realize yet, why this film could have been better. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> we needed cannibals. cannibals. <laughs> but you have this universal masculine storyline at its core, but then we also have Dr. Gondo and Miki Sagusa, who steal the show. Now, I do have some complaints. I'm not the biggest fan of Hattori's music. It feels a little melodramatic for some of the situations at hand. Um, the blend of monster action and human connection, it fades in that middle 45 minutes. 
And yes, there are some plot elements that leave you scratching your head. But with that said, I give this film a three out of five stars uh, because of the slow but meaningful character building and the really diverse monster action throughout. Uh, If I had to rate this, I actually went back and was looking at my ratings and I actually think on initial viewing, I enjoyed this just slightly more than Biolante because it took itself a little bit less seriously. I know lots of people love Biolante, but this one falls right in the middle for me of the Heisei era. So you gave Biolante a downgrade. I think I did. Yeah. I, I pushed it down to a three out of five, but, and, and that's um, why you're that part of Mogera. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Eric, I mean, this, this movie didn't have kiss you guys. Like how, no, how, how can you let, I don't know. Uh, first the cannibals, now that. No, yeah, exactly. No, Biolante is awesome. <laughs> but it was it was really only awesome for me the second time I watched it because mm-hmm. once again, the plot just, it, the first time I watched it, I got so confused. There were so many different plot elements at work. Yeah. Here, I didn't have to take the plot that seriously and I just got to kind of enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that balance of tone that I've talked about before yep. that might have put this one slightly above. But But what did you think, David? You gave us some of your initial thoughts, but do you have a rating and ranking here? Yeah, I have a rating, and we we did kind of get away from that on our podcast just because at the end of the day, like we're focused more on the meaning rather than the rating. But I am going on Letterboxd, and I am doing my own rankings now, so that's been fun. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah. So overall, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, there's definitely some plot points that bother me, like the fact that you're on Birth Island. And there's these crystals here already, but Space Godzilla's never made it to Earth. So why are his crystals there? Like, I don't understand that. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something, but I'm like, it's obviously just a set piece. Um, right. But but overall, I mean, you're right. There's the, the tonality is definitely more consistent in the sense that it's not all just serious or all just humorous, but it's not as there's the, the shifts are it's just easier to stomach. I think, I think the, the way that the plots paced and just the editing itself, it's just a more enjoyable experience. I think than even in my opinion, by Alante. like that, that movie is a lot of fun and there's a lot of good stuff about it. But even with that film, it's just, I feel like it's almost too much. Whereas this one, it's like mm-hmm. the right amount of everything. Um, again, there's just, there's enough there between, the the creation of space godzilla like something i'm realizing with all these films is the monsters always transform right every single film you'll watch the enemy monster transforms into something else i'm tired Mm -hmm. of that i'm tired of everything being tied to godzilla so for that like i think i'm still actually going to be about a three out of five nice Nice. yeah in you know the other thing Alex and David, I, I was thinking about Biolante and if something you said that stuck with me, Alex, in our episode was the the final battle with Biolante is actually kind of anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that, I think that has stuck with me. And and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think I think it was. So that bumped it down a little bit as well. Yeah, um, Alex, what did you think? What was your rating and ranking? Were you higher on it than me and David? I am, but just a little bit. So kind of going back to what David said about being tired of all these monsters being tied directly to Godzilla. Actually, that's something I actually like about the Heisei era is that the ramifications of anything having to do with Godzilla is creating more and more problems. Hmm. You know, we get people meddling with his DNA and we get Biollante. 
We get, I mean, the Futurians are maybe the one exception, but they're trying to prevent Godzilla. And in doing so, they make a worse Godzilla. And so I like that. And I like that this is a ramification of, once again, dragging even Godzilla into a battle during Mothra. So I like that this is a possible ramification of that. Even though Mothra's appearance in this movie is horrible. It's just <laughs> all the tiny <laughs> little moths. What's the point? We did not mention that, but that is not a that was not a high point for sure. No, it's yeah. just like why are these tiny moths keep showing up at the weirdest times? And I'm like, can Miki is Miki the only one that can see these things? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think it's telekinetic. That was my theory. It's telekinetic, but well, it's telepathy. Eric, telekinetic would mean they're moving it. Oh, yeah, yeah you're right. Oh, you're my right. It's telepathic. You're right. Nerd. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but overall, I really like that this is this film has ramifications of Biolante and Mothra in it. And it's got ramifications from even like someone like Gordo. Oh, my God. I call him Gordo again. Gondo. <laughs> <laughs> ramifications of Gondo dying. So. This really feels like an in-universe movie where things have been building to, kind of like the previous film did for us. I, what I also really like is I like the island, and I like our characters. Like It's been refreshing, and I know you weren't with us at the time, David, but me and Eric were saying that Fukuda, this really feels like a Fukuda film in the beginning, because we're getting this refreshing island take. We get a cute little dinosaur mm. to play with. like. It's kind of fun for a little while, right? Before everything starts happening. I mean, we even get to tear gas a little baby. I mean, what's more fun than that, right? <laughs> Not a lot. <laughs> but all that with some of the meandering and wasted budget that wasn't even used kind of starts to hurt for me. And the plot and the battle at the end drags on a little too long. But I'm a mm-hmm. sucker for humans joining up with Godzilla to fight another evil, which is one of the reasons why I like... Uh, this or last year's King of the Monsters so much. I li- I just like it when humans team up with, I guess, their enemy to fight another enemy. So with all that being said, this is going to be another 7 out of 10. Oh my gosh, Eric, I did it again. <laughs> three, I was three, waiting for that. And a three and a half out of five. Uh, I just, this whole uh, Heisei era has been pretty consistent sevens for me for the most part. With the exception of King Ghidorah. Alex, you do this on purpose every single week. It's not even funny for me anymore. I'm just mad. <laughs> I, I legitimately don't do it on purpose. <laughs> I don't. I do not even believe you. I don't believe you. And David, that's my cue uh, to go. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I'm just messing. David, where, where can people find you uh, online and what's in store for the podcast the rest of this year? So well, he's on our podcast, so we're doing yeah. a podcast every oh, that's week. Right. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Got to move a th- few things around. Um, yeah. Apparently, you can find me online with like all these people search websites. I've been like on this spree of like getting myself off of there. It's creepy. Um, <laughs> but well, Sorry. maybe not you personally. Is your social security number on these websites? No, but my address when I lived in Alaska is, which was weird. Wait, um, you lived in Alaska? Yeah, for like six months. Okay, well, never mind. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. Um, so for the podcast, we do have a website. It's just the kaijuapostle.com. Um, and then on Twitter and Instagram, and no one uses Facebook. The handle is just uh, Kaiju Apostle Pod. 
As for the rest of the year, uh, I think we're still going to be in the Showa era by the end of the year. Uh, wow. we're, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, going by weekly and then doing some of the other uh, non-Godzilla films like uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World, War, War of the Gargantua, stuff like that. Um, it pads it out a little bit. Um, yeah. but there is a chance we are going to be co-presenting a panel at G Fest this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that should be yeah. fun. Haven't got the approval there yet, but fingers crossed. That's yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited to get into those other Toho films that kind of have some yeah. loose tie-ins to this Godzilla Toho universe. Yeah. So, at one point, we um, discussed doing doing just Toho beginning to end like you all are. And Eric just could not wait to finish Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, like we did Mothra yeah. versus Godzilla and like, it was so refreshing to get back in a Godzilla film. Don't get me wrong. Like I've loved Matongo and Atragon. Gamera super monster was the worst movie I've ever seen, but like, yeah, it's just, it's great to get back into Godzilla for sure. For sure. <laughs> now here's the important qu- question. It's okay. If you don't, David, but do you have a rhyming question for us to ask for this next movie? I do. Oh, all right. (laughs) So you will be entered in our our Friday poll. There we go. So when the Heisei era comes to an end, will Godzilla fight or make a friend? (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Alex, what you got, man? <laughs> Will Godzilla still be a royal after he meets this is the royal? <laughs> oh my god! What? <laughs> oh my god! There's that no way. There's sense. no. I was thinking, like, how do I even top your nonsense? And I just, I couldn't do it. <laughs> See, Alex is gonna win all these because they're always nice. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can't even follow that, but mine is when the Heisei era hits its climax, will the series peak or suffer drawbacks? Oh, there we go. Yeah, you go ahead and give me the win, Eric. Uh, <laughs> it's sad. It's sad, but so true. So true. <laughs> oh, man. Um, next week, Alex, where can people watch Godzilla vs. Destoroyah? Destoroyah. You can watch it. Uh, you can rent or buy it on Amazon, Vudu, iTunes, Microsoft, and Google Play. And it's like $3 to rent or so. So it's not too bad to find. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at MVM underscore pod. Um, on Letterboxd, we are Eric Neely and Alex Cornett. And David, you are on Letterboxd now as well. Yeah, I don't know what my username is, though, but I'm on there. Hey, on, hey on. It, it was just If you just search your, your name, David Marshall, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm actually pulling yeah. it up right now, like the pro I am. It's uh, actually, yeah, I don't know. Where do I find it? <laughs> I, I've I think got if, it. if people say, it, it says, oh, there oh. we go, Tipper Beanfad. So T I P P E R B E A N F A D. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> and send us send us feedback. Uh, MVMPod at gmail.com. We want to hear what we got wrong in this episode. Uh, where we can get better. We love to hear from you. Uh, but if you would, Davis. Davis. Davis <laughs> if you would, Who's Davis. Davis? Uh, That's actually my nickname. He's our work. new guest. <laughs> uh, if you would, help us sign out here by trying to you know sync with us like we do every oh episode. 
So until next week, everybody. Try <laughs> to <laughs> stay alive. That might be the last one yet, but peace out, everyone. Now you see why it's so hard for me. I'm so glad we have people interviewing to see who really messes this thing up. <laughs> you mess with that guy. <laughs> David, that was good, man. Yeah, thanks, that was fun. Really, seriously, thanks for joining. That was fun. The ass end of Mogera himself.